Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a Minnesota man with extrasensory perception describes what it was like growing up psychic. I'm a big denial guy. I love denial. And I tried to ignore all the things that were happening for years. But I, after a while, you can't keep ignoring it. Did you know you can now stream episodes of this podcast on your mobile device? All you need is my new Conspiracy Unlimited app. It's absolutely free, and it's available for both iOS and Android devices. If you're a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member, pay attention. You can now stream premium content from your mobile device. My free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS and Android. Available from the App Store and Google Play. Get yours today and start streaming Conspiracy Unlimited on your mobile device. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday, and I hope you're doing well. Now, before I get rolling, I want to say thanks to Eldon in Corpus Christi, Texas. Eldon, if you're out there listening, I hope so. He sent me a wonderful letter filled with praise and support and a very generous donation. Eldon, thank you, and God bless you and your family, and uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. Celebrity psychic Michael Bodine is here to talk about his life and experiences growing up in a psychic family. Michael was young when he discovered his psychic abilities. He spent his childhood studying with established psychics and going to psychic camp, somewhat reluctantly, to gain a greater understanding of his gifts. Through the loving support of his mother, May, he was able to mature in his practice while staying true to his own creative style. He's been a professional psychic for more than 35 years, giving readings, performing ghost bustings, and speaking at events and conventions. His clients range from celebrities like Melanie Griffith and Gary Busey to financiers and dog walkers. He's the author of Growing Up Psychic and his latest, A Psychic's Life. Hey, Michael, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm good, Richard. How are you? I'm terrific, thank you. I'm guessing it's cold and blustery in Minnesota as it is here just north of Toronto. Yes, it's, well, it was really cold, but now it's going to be like, 40s and 50s, so we're going to go back to golfing here pretty quick, so that's nice. But it won't last. You know, when I'm no, when I'm speaking no. to someone in Minnesota, they understand winter. Often, you know, I have guests in California, Florida, South Carolina, <laughs> but you get it. You know what, yeah, yeah, what yeah. we're no. in for. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're about to die in about 20 minutes. But before we go, it's nice to have just one 40-degree you know, day or something. It, it helps us get through it. Right. So tell me, growing up in Minnesota, you grew up in a psychic family, right? Oh, yes, I did. I, I'm not sure if I've actually grown up yet, but I, I grew in Edina. I, I live, I guess, upper middle class house. Yeah. My dad did really well and he loved all these great things. So I grew up in this, you know, nice house. He had the house built and it was all shiny and new and really pretty. And all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, Amityville horror. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was terrible. It was, um, we started having all these weird experiences, probably by the time I was seven or so. And, um, and it wasn't because it was, you know, we were on a burial ground or anything like that. It was just, it was just, uh, it was a weird Well, how does that happen? How does that happen? Because we associate, obviously, old houses with hauntings. But as you say, was it something that was brought into the house, maybe? No. Well, you know, I think the reason why this stuff was happening to us was uh, because we we were told that we were going to develop our psychic awareness that, you know, as our family. Um, And that we had I came from a family of four kids and that um, three of the four kids were going to use it and, uh, that my mom was going to use it. And my sister was going to write a bunch of books and, um, we were going to, it was going to be a big part of our life. And that's what I was told was the reason why all this stuff was happening. I, I, to me, it felt like we were being punished. Um, but, um, and, and we did event, yeah, we did bring in a lot of, um, heavy things to the house, but that was because we were learning about this stuff and we didn't really, um, we didn't know any better. (laughs) We were just, we were just learning, you know? And so, yeah, we did bring in a lot of stuff, but initially, um, it happened with, with, uh, my brother. So he, I was seven at the time and we were all sitting around eating dinner, except for my brother who was like 14. He was like a very serious teenager, you know, kind of guy really, um, you know, he was and he was learning how to play the drums, and um, and he was downstairs, and it sounded terrible because he was terrible, and but then it sounded good for about maybe two or three minutes. But it was like he put on one of those records, how to play the drums by kind of thing, because uh, it sounded tight, you know, it sounded good, and that lasted for a little bit, and then all of a sudden um, we hear the the cymbals being knocked down, and we hear the drums being knocked down, and. <laughs> Like something, you know, like a bull just went through the place. And, and then we hear the door flying open and he comes running upstairs. And, and he was freaked out. He was, he was generally freaked out. And in my family uh, at that time, my, my father, um, as a male, you didn't show fear. It was, my, my dad was a big guy, you know, and he was a, he was a lawyer, psychologist kind of guy. You know, didn't see, saw weakness as a bad thing, especially in males any kind of emotion of that kind was was really frowned upon. And so I had never seen my brother afraid. It was just something he just didn't do, especially around my dad. And, um, but he was scared and he was scared. Like, like he wanted to cry kind of scared. And my mom recognized it right away. My dad got mad because he saw this and he wanted to know what the hell was going on downstairs. And my, but my mom was more like, okay, what, what's really going on? And he didn't want to talk about it for a long time. But finally, Um, my mom got him to say that, that what had happened. And he said that he was downstairs playing the drums and he was just tinkering and he looks up and he sees this guy come through the wall and it freaked him out. He's he's like, he he saw this guy come coming through the wall. And so he puts his head down. He's like, Oh my God. And he starts and the adrenaline's getting him going. So he's playing tighter, but he looks up and, and this guy's planted right in front of him. And, and he's getting even more freaked out and he's, pl- and he's playing faster and playing faster. And, uh, and finally he just looks up and, and says, please leave. Like he closes his eyes and just says, please leave while he's playing. And, uh, and I, gu- I guess that might've made the, whatever it was 
aware, like, oh, geez, maybe I shouldn't be here. And and so it went through the other wall. And that's when he came flying upstairs. And and when he was telling us this story, I remember even as even at seven, I was thinking, that's just stupid, you know, because none of us believed in this kind of thing. But he was so convinced. And and honestly, there was this really weird feeling in the air. Like there was something going on. Like somebody was watching you. And I didn't know if it was because he was saying this or because he was really scared and I had never seen him scared or I don't know what it was. But it was a weird feeling. So then about a week later, we're all sitting around eating dinner again. and But this time with him because he wouldn't go downstairs alone without like a priest. And, and he was waiting for my sister who was going to go downstairs with him. And... Uh, we had this lazy Susan, uh, and on the lazy Susan, we had, you know, salt, check, salt and pepper shakers and condiments and all that kind of stuff. And um, the salt shaker, <laughs> it was so weird. And the salt shaker gets up and it slowly starts to move across the table. And we're all talking. And then when we see this thing, it's, it's weird because it's not like there's organs playing in the background and it's not like there's a narrator or anything like that. It was just, it was just bizarre because we're just we're seeing this thing and it floats across and it dropped between my mother and my dad and when it hit the ground we all just went whoa and my logical mind went right away to okay how did my brother hook up a pulley system to do that because i never would have attributed it to ghosts and neither did anybody else we just were like come on because we had been giving my brother so much crap about you know hey maybe you should invite your friend over for dinner or you know you know just giving him crap about it all week and but he was relieved. He was like, see, I told you, there's something in this house. There's something going on. And he was yelling. And my dad's all mad because he's like, hey, you can't, don't do that stuff, Scott. Come on. You know, he's yelling at him about it. And, um, but there was that weird feeling in the air again. And, um, and and then stuff just kind of randomly happened. Like, you know, you'd be walking through the the living room or something and somebody would tap you on the shoulder and you'd turn around and nobody was there. Or... Uh, the lights were going on and off, you know, just random times, not during the day, not during the night, just at random times. Or sometimes, you know, like I opened up a cupboard to the kitchen and and the stuff would slide out in my hand. And I, you you know, each time I think, well, that's weird, but it wasn't like I was attributing it to ghosts or anything like that. It was just, it just kept happening and it happened to some of us and it happened to individuals and it, but it happened. This was going on for like six months and, each one of them, each time it happened, we always just discarded it in some way. But my mom, who was a stay-at-home mom, I think she was getting a little bit nervous because she was home all the time. And so she was experiencing a lot of it uh, herself. And, uh, yeah. you know, she'd mention it once what, in a while. But What about your dad? Was he was anything? Was he you just... You know, my dad, my dad was a typical guy. You know, unless you could have sex with it or kill it, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> think it had any value, you know? And, um, and so he didn't... He just thought it was stupid he just thought oh come on now you know he just didn't see he you know he just didn't believe in this stuff at all and and if you did you had a mental illness and um so he you know he saw it and he was around it but he just you know rolled his eyes like yeah whatever but my mom was getting concerned to the point where she she decided to talk to what we were we were my mother was raised catholic but um we were, we were belonged to a Baptist church. So we went to, we, and we go to church every Sunday. And, um, so my mom decides to go talk to the minister and the minister, (laughs) the minister suggests that maybe it's something, you know, wrong with her, like gynecological or something like maybe she need, you know, needs to go get a checkup. 
Um, so she, she goes to see her gynecologist, and and he says, no, no, look, it sounds like something's mentally going on with you. And so she she goes through all these different people. She goes to a psychiatrist, uh, you know, different therapists. She ends up meeting with this lady that she was a psychologist named Mrs. Root, really sweet lady, but she worked out of her car basically, you know. She, oh, that's reassuring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she wasn't, you know, the most stable, but she was really nice. And she was the one that said, hey, you know, it sounds like you got some issues going on. And here's here's a number to um, this medium called Mrs. Olson, who lives in St. Paul. We lived in Edina uh, and she lives in St. Paul. And, um, and so my mom kind of felt a little better, you know, because she didn't, she didn't have to get a pap smear to, you know, get the information. So <laughs> she, uh, she felt relieved and enough so where she thought, okay, well, if it does become a problem, she'll call this lady. But she wasn't, you know, even then she wasn't into psychics and she kind of felt like maybe, you know, with the whole religious thing, it might be blasphemy or she might be struck down dead or whatever. So she didn't really, she wasn't going to call Mrs. Olson, but it was nice to know that she could in case you know, the wall started bleeding or something. So um, she gets back from this this uh, interview or this meeting, and my mom used to collect Bibles. I, I, I didn't know that until that day, but she used to collect Bibles. And so she had all sorts of different kinds of Bibles with different covers and all that stuff. And when she came home, the Bibles were on her bed stacked up. Oh, in kind of a Yeah. And that's the thing that freaked her out the most. It was like, okay, now, she's, now they're screwing with the Bible. So obviously – uh, it's Satan spawn or something like that. So it freaked her out to the max. She 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 put the Bibles all back, um, and and she you know we came home. I remember getting yelled at when I got home from school because she said that I shouldn't play with her Bibles, and I didn't even know what the hell she was talking about. I I, I you know I didn't know she had Bibles, and well, I knew she had Bibles, but I didn't know she had you know that kind of stuff. And she yelled at each one of us when we got home from school. Um. And she made dinner and, you know, she was visibly shaken. It was like I could tell. She was really bugged. Um, after dinner, she went upstairs and I remember her screaming, not like a blood-curdling scream, but just like a kind of a gasp. And so we all went upstairs. My my dad wasn't there. He was on a business trip at that time. And um, the Bibles were stacked up on her bed again. I'm thinking of that, weird... uh, that Bill Murray line from Ghostbuster, Ghostbusters. No human would stack books like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and I remember thinking, wow, that's weird, you know, and uh, but that was enough to where my mom just said, okay, screw it. She's going to call Mrs. Uh, Olson. And she did that night. And uh, Mrs. Olson, of course, you know, knew all about this stuff and was explaining everything to my mom and that uh, that our family, you know, was going to develop her psychic awareness and blah, blah, blah. And that my sister Echo, um, who is the oldest and I'm the youngest, uh, was going to do a bunch of stuff and in fact she asked that my sister echo uh, come uh, come with my mom to the uh, reading so they did they set it up and they went and um uh and that's when everything really started you know going because in the reading uh, mrs olson was a more of a traditional medium um you know very ceremonial you know had a glass of water for spirit and they all prayed before the reading and then the kumbaya stuff comes into play and then they're doing all that stuff. But in the process, they found uh, a lot of information about my mom and about my sister and about the, the kids. And um, it really, it seemed to really make my mom feel at ease. Like, like it, it, it comforted her and she felt like she had a purpose, like she had a, a reason for, for being here, I guess. 
um, because she, when she came home, she was she was excited, you know, like um, like really excited. <laughs> and it was weird because I think you know that was in the '60s, and I think you know women were just kind of discovering their own and st- discovering their own power. And I think for my mom, it was it, it was it was a way of kind of getting in touch with her own identity and her own power and my and and it was like my mother's mother was a gypsy and she married this irish guy to be normal and so they she kind of grew up in this normal irish family but there was always that specter of of my mother's mother and and i think for some reason this all tapped into all that stuff because she just man she just loved it she loved everything about it and um i didn't I, I hated everything about it, um, but you know things things started progressing really fast. Uh, my mother started going to a church. Well, not really a church, but it was a it was a place where you know mediums would would meet or psychics would meet. And back then, you know, it was really underground. Everything was really underground because right. like part was, of the spiritualist movement out of England. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when people would meet, they'd meet in secret and they'd have secret you know handshakes and all that kind of stuff and and. Uh, and so my mom found this place and, and found these teachers, this lady named Bertie, who was like 300 years old and wore the same dress and never brushed her teeth. And um, this lady was just amazing, you know, scary, psychic, you know, she could read your mind. This lady was, but anyway, my mom loved all of it. And, um, and, and they all loved my mom. They just thought she was, they just loved her. And so the medium or the psychics, you know, instead of meeting this old dungy church, they started meeting at her house because it was a nice house. It had heat. And and my mom would feed them and, and they would have meetings there every day about this, this sort of stuff. And, uh, and that's how I grew up. Well, not, I mean, you know, from seven on up, but that's, that was my experience is, you know, having all these people at the house and they were learning and they were d- doing di- different kinds of disciplines and learning different kinds of, um, gifts, you know, some people could find things and some people could talk about past lives and some people could just pick up on. <laughs> so, so that must have gone over real well with your dad. Did, yeah, like, dad did it interrupt it. poker night or I mean, what happened yeah, there? Dad, yeah, my dad just hated it, but he was a, you know, my, my dad was a Rolling Stone man. He, he was always gone. He owned this big company and he was always going all over the place. So he wasn't around all that much. And then when he was around, my mom tried to, you know, she covered up as much of the psychic stuff as she could, tried to make it as normal. But, you know, he was aware. Um, finally, okay, so a couple years later, that he, you know, they were, they were playing chess, my mother and him. Um, and this is after a bunch of weird stuff had been going on. My dad was like pissed off. He was like, you know, I, you know, you got to get rid of those psychics. They don't take a shower. They all smell like patchouli. I just want them out of the house and. Um, and she was like, no, I really want him there. So, so they kind of had this agreement that, okay, let's just, let's just work on things. And but they were playing chess and, and the, the chess piece got up and dropped on the floor. And my, at that point, my dad said, that's it. Screw it. I'm done. I'm out. And he moved out. He just moved out. He couldn't do it anymore. Wow. <laughs> I wish he would have taken me with him. But he did. Well, um, yeah. Whose idea was it to send you to summer camp? And what was that? Or, uh, yeah, psychic, what the hell? psychic camp. Sorry. Psychic camp. Yeah. Psychic camp. I mean, I love football camp. Basketball camp was great, but psychic, I didn't have a, I, I, I was the youngest and I, you know, I didn't have a choice. My mom, 
my mom wanted to go to all these different places. And like I said, back then it was all kind of hidden. And so you, you'd hear about, or she would hear about these places that people were doing um, like different kind of themes. Sometimes the, the camps were about nature spirits or sometimes they were about, they were about all sorts of different things, but she would take me along as kind of like protection, even though, you know, I'm a kid and she just didn't want to go by herself. And um, so I got dragged along to all these places and I hated it. I mean, I, I hated it because these people were strange. They were just so strange. You know, they just, you couldn't have a normal conversation with anybody. You couldn't say, so how's the weather without it all being deep. You know, everything had to be deep. Everything had meaning. And, and it, you know, they weren't a barrel of laughs. These people were not funny. I mean, every once in a while you'd run into a funny kind of psychic, but generally it was tough, you know, especially for a kid like me who was, I was very hyper. Um, I like to kind of stir the pot. I like to get in trouble. And um, I had a hard time with it all. But so my mom was the one that was instrumental in, in all that. And we would drive for hours, you know, just hours. And we'd go to the strangest places. And it was always in these woods, you know, it was always like the Hobbit, you know, you'd, you'd go down these valleys and they're in, and they'd meet in the woods. And it was, it was kind of a cool setting. Cause you know, it, it, the settings were interesting, but it, it was always just so weird. You know, it was always just so, so weird. I hated psychic camps. And my mom would, you know, after a while, you know, she would try to trick me into going like, Oh, Hey, do you want to go to this? There's this amusement park by where we were going and she wouldn't tell me where we were going she'd just tell me that there's an amusement park by there and we would never end up going to the amusement park but we'd end up going to these other places so and after a while i just kind of caught on to it and um uh, i still had to go i i, I, just, I still at, had to at go what, at what point did you make peace with it and actually decide okay this is this is one of the things that that i uh, that i'm able to do and and you decide to apply yourself and work on developing it well, that's a good question. I, you know, okay. So, in in the process of all these things, like I tried to deny as much as I could. I'm a big denial guy. I love denial, and I I tried to ignore all the things that were happening for years. You know, swamp gas, or you know, somebody's having a bad day, or whatever. But I, after a while, you can't keep ignoring it. And you can't keep ignoring the coincidences and you can't keep ignoring the stuff that was happening. I knew when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, when I was like five, there was an ambulance that went by our house and I knew my mother and my sister were in that ambulance. I just knew it. I, 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 could, I could see colors around people there, my whole life. And I just thought everybody could see colors. Um, I, but then I found out that, that, you know, that people have these auras and that um, not everybody can see them. And, but I kept trying my best to, de to deny it. But finally, I just got to the point where I couldn't help. But I, I would meet somebody and I would all of a sudden get all this information about them. And I remember trying to tell it to my family or trying to explain it to them. Like, does this happen to you where you, where you meet somebody and you just know that they're about to, this is about to happen or that's about to happen? And they didn't had that same thing. And so it, it wasn't like I just made, I just slowly just said, okay, screw it. What, what about this stuff? What, why do I have this and what am I going to do with it? And then I started to, um, get even more clarity. It was like, 
it was like, you know, those glasses, uh, you slowly come into focus. And as I started to accept it more, um, or at least try to be okay with it, it's, it became stronger and stronger and, and clearer and clearer. And so I think I was probably around uh, 11 or 12 when I just said, okay, I got to use this. I got to, you know, if I have it, I might as well use it. And, uh, and plus, you know, honestly, I, I, every day when I got home from school, like my, my birdie, who was a teacher, she would drill me every day about, you know, um, what did I get psychically on this person? What did I get psychically on that person? She was, she was working on me when, when I was a kid, just trying to get me to just trust my um, <clears throat> psychic stuff. And, you know, I hated it. I, it, every day she would say, okay, so what do you got for me on Bob? What do you got for me on Ted? You know, and, um, and it was like schoolwork. So, and I had to read all these books, you know, about psychics and just, uh, just to learn. And I did it just to get them off my back. Um, but eventually all this stuff sort of started to make kind of sense. And, um, and you know, what really got to me was when people like, after a while, people heard about our family, these, um, reborn Christians or fundamentalist people who really believe that this kind of stuff is, you know, the devil's work and all that kind of thing. And it wasn't that I loved the psychic stuff. I just didn't like being attacked because I didn't like that my family was being attacked. And I think that actually pushed me more into it, these Christians, because they would come over to our house like this was a Super Bowl for them. You know, if they could walk into the devil's den and try to convince one of us that we were evil, it made their whole week. And so there were always people coming to the house. And and the psychics would invite them in and they would have these discussions. And and that kind of um, adhered me more to the psychic community than, than the Christian community because I started to see them as attacking us. We weren't attacking them. They were attacking us and we had to be in a position to defend ourselves. And that's in defending ourselves. I kind of learned more about it because I wanted to come back at them with, with different things. So, you know, read the Bible, read, read all the different things in the Bible about psychic stuff. And, um, you know, so I would use all that stuff and it was just kind of in the process. It wasn't like I had a eureka moment. It was just that, well, I guess, there was, there was a point where when I was, I think I was like 10 or no, 12. And, um, this lady came to me and she wanted me to give her a reading. And I was, you know, at that point I was really, I just wanted to live it. I wanted to be normal and I was sick of this stuff, but I was trying to be more okay with it. And, um, and, uh, so she sits down and I got all this stuff on her and it was pretty, um, pretty interesting, pretty intense. And it turned out to be all, and she starts crying and she was freaked out. And, and at that point I started thinking, you know, geez, there must be something to this, but it, it wasn't money wise. It was, it was more like it felt good to get the information out. It wasn't, it, it was more a relief than it was um, exciting. It was more like I could release this stuff. More of my conversation with Michael Bodine when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Colleen Forkus is the manager at the Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary, and she joins us once again. Hey, Colleen, how are you? Wonderful, Richard. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. A lot of people this time of year come down with nasty colds. What do we have for them at the Strange Planet Full Script Dispensary? A product I want to recommend is called Cold Crush. 
There's a product for children and there's one for adults. And the company name is Genexa, G-E-N-E-X-A. I would highly recommend having this on hand whenever you start to feel the symptoms of a cold, a little bit of a chest congestion or a runny nose, sneezing or cough, sore throat. Start taking this. It's a homeopathic remedy. And like I said, there's one designed for children and one designed for adults. Something good to have on hand. Right. And the idea is you only take it as soon as you feel the cold coming on, right? It's not a preventative. That's right. The first symptoms you start to notice, that's the time to start taking this. Cold Crush, available at strangeplanet.ca. Just click on the full script dispensary. Don't forget, subscribers receive a 10% discount on all products and free delivery on all orders over $50. We'll talk again soon, Colleen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Richard. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was good, good, a handsome man, Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Michael Bodine, the author of A Psychic's Life, is here. So how does it work for you? Are you clairaudient? Are you clairvoyant? Are you clairsentient? Claircognizant? How does it work? Oh, I'm Claire. <laughs> Claire, check all uh, of the above. Yeah. Well, it's weird with me. I, you know, I, I okay. So when I when I do a reading for somebody, and not everybody, I not, I can't do everybody, and not everybody needs a reading. So, you know, if people call me up and they want a reading, I, you know, I, and I'm not for everybody either. I um. Uh, I'm, I'm a future guy. And that was one of the things that, that kind of got me into this a little bit more too, was that, that I was told that I could choose kind of what I wanted to do and what areas. And I thought, well, screw it. If I'm going to do this, I want to be able to make sure that I'm accurate because I don't want to, I don't want to do past lives and just <laughs> never know. I wanted to make sure I wanted to give somebody a prediction. And if it came true, well, maybe there was something to it. Um, and so I chose the, the to see opportunities coming up. So like, for instance, if somebody comes to me uh, or calls, calls me, um, I, there's a thinking that, that everybody has guides around them, you know, like spirit guides and stuff. And some people believe that. And some people don't, I, you know, I don't care whether you believe it or not, but that's, I, I, I can see people around people and, and they're the ones that start talking to me and they're the ones that start explaining stuff to me. And, um, and then I also get pictures on things. I get, um, it's like a movie. It's like all of a sudden they show me this movie and, and they show me close up, then they show me a step back and then they show me the big picture. And it's all this, all these different ways. And they, you know, I can smell things. I can feel things. I see things. It's, it's like, uh, it's like stereo. It's like, it comes, all this information comes at, at different things at different times. And my biggest it, challenge is to try and decipher what the hell they're talking about sometimes. Because, you know, when you think about a person's life, there's a whole lot of things that come into play. Um, and so now, like when I do readings, I ask people to give me a, like, you know, an area that they're interested in or something. Because, you know, a person's life encompasses a lot of things, a lot of different emotions. and Right, you know, otherwise it, it's like coming through a fire hose. It's just Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, what the hell? And um, so, and you know, there's times that I've sucked. Um, and that's just because I, I wasn't supposed to do the reading for somebody and I did it anyway. And, you know, I just, I was bad. <laughs> and 
And some, some psychics are better at giving the information than I am sometimes. Sometimes I'm too blunt. And sometimes the person needs somebody that is more understanding and more loving. Like my mom could tell you you're going to die of cancer in 20 minutes and you'd feel good about it. You know, <laughs> she was very sweet. And I'm not, I'm not as sweet. In fact, I'm probably more sour than sweet. But, um, well, what do, what but, do you do if, if, if that's what's coming through, that the person is going to die? What do you do with that information? Well, obviously, you ask them to pay in advance. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it, it, you know, that's happened a couple times. Um, well, it's actually happened more than a couple times. But uh, that's, yeah, it's handled. Well, okay, so, yeah. Uh, it's okay. It's tough. I've had, a, I've had some friends. Um, oh yeah, that's that. You're right. That does suck. I had a, I have a friends that have come to me. Uh, this one guy came to me with his, um, he had a lump on his arm and I love this guy, Danny. I loved him. Uh, and, um, he was my buddy and I see this and, and, and he was in good shape. You know, he was, then he was like a giant leprechaun, great guy, great, just, but always talk fast, always wheeling and dealing kind of guy. I mean, you know, would steal your wallet and with a smile and you would let him, it didn't, you didn't care because he was just this leprechaun guy. And he had this lump on his arm and he goes, what the, what the hell do you think this is? And I got this picture of him being filled with cancer and all these bombs were going to blow up. And I couldn't tell him, I couldn't, because I, I just didn't, for one thing, I didn't want to accept it. Cause I couldn't imagine my life without Denny in it. I mean, Denny's bigger than life. And, and so I, I just lied to him. <laughs> I said, Oh no, 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 you're going to be okay. That's just a, you know, it's just, just a thing. You know, he goes in, finds out it's cancer. They do a thing, you know, with the whole body scan, find out he's filled with cancer. Two weeks later, he's on his deathbed. I mean, literally two weeks later. And, um, and you know, he kept saying, so am, am I going to be okay? And I kept going, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't deal with it. I, I, I had a hard time with it. And, uh, you know, on his deathbed, I'm at his, at his house and he's, you know, he's kind of going in and out and he, he comes up, he comes to and he looks at me, he goes, am I still going to be okay? <laughs> you know, I, I, I know I should have been honest with him, but I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. And, um, and that happened with another friend of mine, uh, an, an actor friend of mine. He, he got real sick and I couldn't imagine life without this guy in my life. I couldn't. And, and I kept trying to see the, the positive stuff. Um, and then there, there's another time when, I, uh, so these people wanted to do a, a show, a television show, you know, they wanted to do like, uh, people are always trying to do these television shows with me in it uh, because of my family, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing. But um, these, these producers, they got really mad because they wanted me to be like this uh, attack or not like ambush psychics, like the long Island medium, you know, coming up to somebody in, in, that they don't know and going, Hey, your husband's having an affair. What do you think of that? You know, they, right, they wanted right. me to be like that. And you're not, that's like a rule. You just can't do that kind of stuff. It's really, it's really bad if you do that. So they, they just don't do that. But these producers, they, they kept bringing people in hoping that I would make them cry because they thought that was golden. You know, they had the film crews and everything. So we had a big fight. They were here all weekend. And on Sunday, they were ready to leave. I was ready to kick them out. And they said, okay, okay, how about you just do this one guy who's very skeptical. Um, just, just give us something, okay? Just, you know, just give us something. And I was really mad at them. And so this whatever, I just said, yeah, whatever. At one point, they even hired somebody to come in and start crying. You know, I said, geez, you're having a rough week. And all of a sudden she starts bawling. 
And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> you guys got to stop this stuff. But say, so this guy comes in and, um, and he was a good guy. He, I liked him. He was a nice guy. And um, a lot of charisma, this guy. And I'm sitting down and, and all of a sudden his guide starts saying, you know, that this guy isn't going to be around for very long. In fact, he was going to have an episode in his lungs in a couple of weeks and he might die. And, uh, he, he's probably, there's a more better chance that he's going to die than he's going to live. Um, <clears throat> he might decide to live, but it, it didn't look good. And like, okay, now normally I would be a little more uh, diplomatic about something like that. I would explain it in a more kind and loving way. But in this case, I was like pissed off. And I just said, Hey dude, you got like two weeks to live. <laughs> what are you going to do with your life in two weeks? What would you say to people if you had two weeks to live? And of course the guy starts crying, you know, he's freaking out. I go, you got this lung issue and it looks like, you know, you got this clot or something. I don't know what it is, but you're probably going to be in a coma here for a couple of weeks and, or a couple of days, but you'll probably choose to die. That's what I would think. So what are you going to do? And, you know, he's balling and the producer's like, yeah. And, um, and he's talking about all the oh, things. Oh, they're filming he, this. They're filming. Yeah, they're filming. Right, yeah, it's right. for this. And the producer television. says, yay. Yeah, Lovely. I can hear him in the other Lovely. room going, yeah, this is golden. And um, and so he's talking, he's talking, and he's saying, you know, God, I would tell my mother I loved her, and I would tell my sister I'm this one. He's going on and on and on. And um, two weeks later, the guy dies. He has this thing, you know, some some sort of clot in his lung. And he was in his coma for a couple of days, and but he died. And the the producers are ecstatic. You know, they just thought this was the best thing ever. And the whole thing was ghoulish to me. I just, I thought it, it just, it, I, you know, it's just, I hated it. And, um, and, and I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I said, no, I'm not going to do this because that's what they wanted me to continue to do. Um, so it was actually a waste up until, um, the guy at the funeral, they played this, they used the footage and it was like, he gave his own eulogy. It was like he was saying to all the people what he would say. And uh, so in that case, it actually worked out really well, but not because of the show, but because of what he was saying to the people in his life. So it worked out, but I didn't want to do it. I, I mean, come on. Isn't just, reality TV wonderful? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's disgusting. I mean, it's not, you know, that's just not, not you can't do that. So what are the, the biggest myths about being a psychic oh that it's that you know that we're that it's about the psychic you know what the truth is it's about the message they don't give a rip about the psychic the psychic they could care less the psychic's the water boy the what the psychic is nothing what what i think is interesting is especially in these days some of these psychics man they're like divas they just think the, the world of themselves and um and the, the little spirit guides around them are going, yeah, whatever. They could care less. Um, I think the biggest myth is that um, some people have the ability and some people don't. Uh, and But some people, like some people are really good with math. And some people are really good with, uh, you know, creative stuff or organizing stuff or, you know, numbers. And then some people have the shine. You know, the old, the old psychics used to call it the shine where, you know, they could – develop their psychic stuff. And if they want to do stuff with it, they could. Um, and I think that it's, it's nothing any different than, than some of these other talents that everybody else has. And I think that, um, the biggest, the, I think the biggest thing is that everybody has it. 
they just don't, they, I mean, on some degrees, some people have it on more degrees than others, but you know, athletes have it. They use their instinct. They, you know, they follow their gut. You know, what the hell is that? You know, it, it's, um, it doesn't mean that these angels are touching them on the shoulder and saying, Hey, yo. it's like, they just have this natural, they call it instincts or women's intuition or whatever. It, it's, it's a natural thing. It's not even that big of a deal. It's, and it can be used all the time. Businessmen use it all the time. They have an instinct about following this, that person or that person. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that's out there and it, we can tap into it at any time. And I think that, psychics are just have an easier time um tapping into it but and um and it's it's readily readily available to people if they if they want what's the hardest I, part about being a psychic oh my god the the no dental for one thing <laughs> but I, I think the um i think the feeling everybody all the time like for me it's tough to go shopping you know if i i bumped into a guy yesterday at the store and all of a sudden i got his whole history this kid was going to, you know, he was going to, he's a really good football player. He was going to do really well, but he was going to break his knee or wreck his knee in college on the second year of college. He was going to have to change his whole life and do this other thing. And he was going to get into therapeutic helping other people. And he was going to actually do a really good thing, but he was going to go through this really dark. That took about two seconds, you know, in between the frozen food and the peas. I was, I, all that information was right there. And sometimes that's a drag. Sometimes it's just, I don't, I don't want to know that. I just, I just want to go get the peas. And, um, and sometimes I feel too much. The other drawback to being psychic for me is that I pick up on other people all the time, but I can't pick up anything for myself. Like if, if a person comes in and they're friendly to me, I assume they like me. Or if they're, if they're angry, then I assume they're angry. I can't pick up anything about what they're thinking or feeling towards me. Somebody could want me in the biggest way, and I wouldn't have a clue. I, I wouldn't. I just, I just go by what I just go by their actions. And so it's kind of, I'm, I'm sort of slow in, in social stuff like that. Cause I just, I, if you're smiling and you're, you seem happy, I think, Oh good. This person likes me, but they could hate me. And so I can't pick, I can't pick up anything on myself. That's the, that's the sucky part. Tell me about, I want to ask you about one of your clients in particular, uh, Gary Busey. I mean, I've always been fascinated by uh, him as an actor and as a character on screen. Uh, I love Gary. Yeah, tell me about him. What, what, is he well, psychic? So, so, Does he have psychic ability? Well, you know, that's a good question. I, you know, a lot of actors, um, they become, like he became Buddy Holly. He really did. It, it like he didn't, there was moments during when he, when he was doing Buddy Holly that he didn't remember anything. He woke up like six months later and like, what was that all about? It's like he became that person. And that happens sometimes. And I, I work with a lot of, a lot of actors actually. Uh, most of the stuff I do is with people in the entertainment field. Um, and not because it's a great job. Please don't get me wrong. It's not because oh, I'm cool because I'm doing it. It's not. It's just that it works best for what I do. I'm, I'm a future guy and most people, most there's always opportunities coming for people, but most people won't take them, you know. But people in the inter inter entertainment field will. Um, anyway, so that's why I do it. It's not because it's great. But Gary is like, you know, he becomes. He kind of is like a. People step in and out of him all the time. He's just. Um, 
he's he's one of the nicest people in the world, but you never know what he's going to do because it's like these people just jump in and in and out of him. Um, uh, he's he's. So does he think I, he does does he think or do you believe that when he was playing Buddy Holly that he was actually taken over by Buddy's spirit? Yeah, he he's completely convinced of it. Yeah. And and I've done readings for other people too that were convinced of the same thing. In fact, that's why they come to me because they don't know how to deal with it. Um now that they're not doing that anymore. Like he had a hard time getting stepping away from buddy holly because he liked it so much it felt so good for him to to be creative it's like he couldn't play um as well the guitar but then when he was buddy holly he could play it really well and then he stopped playing as well when when the thing was over um and he, he he's convinced that yeah that that that's what happened that buddy holly came in I and think then it- the people Sorry, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think it was about 30 years ago. I'm not clear on the timing, but he had a bad motorcycle accident. He fell and he, he dumped his bike and hit his head. Did yeah, that, he almost died. Yeah. Did that uh, affect his, whatever psychic abilities he may have? It did. It, it, what it, it affected his, um, he was on a real, um, he was probably going to kill himself from drugs. Um, and what, what that did was kind of snapped him out of it. It's like then he had to make a choice whether he was going to live or die. Um, and it, it changed his, his life in that sense that he um, – it changed – he had to slow down a little bit. Like he's, he's, a, he's a nut job in the, in the way that he can – like he'll just take over. You know, he, he's got a lot of energy and he's all over the board. And, um, and like he, he doesn't just sit still. He's, he's like – he's always got stuff going on. But I think that helped center him a little bit because now he had to concentrate on remembering things. And he he was so close to death that um, it was the only way to get his attention. Otherwise, I think he would have died without the accident. So in a, way, a lot of ways, it saved his life. And it changed his um, – he, he, he allowed the psychic stuff to happen more. He was more – okay with it because he had sort of an experience a spiritual experience when he when he did die and he remembered feeling out of his body and um and seeing his body laying there and he was aware of the soul and aware of, of heaven and and he saw the world in a different way and that that does change it yeah it really does so tell me how we uh, can get a copy of a psychic's life and your previous book growing up psychic yeah. Well, you can get them both, I think, on Amazon. I've got their, their – they've been talking about this forever, but they're off, there's another chance that they're going to make a, a series um, based on the first book, Growing Up Psychic. And by the way, just so you know, there's another – I wrote Growing Up Psychic, and then two years later, another psychic decided to name his book Growing Up Psychic. So mine is from Michael Bodine. Not the other guy. Um, I, I, and he knew me, and he knew that I wrote this book, and he didn't care, which drives me nuts, but um, whatever. So they're going um, to they're, <laughs> they're make this series, or, and it's going to be called, called Growing Up Psychic. And, and so I'm going to be re, republishing the first book, so it'll be easier to get. But right now you can get it on Amazon. And sometimes you can get it really cheap, and sometimes it costs more. And then the same thing with um, – 
a psychic's life. A psychic's life was really just a response to um, the psychics. It's just basically a breakdown of what kind of psychics there are and what are good ones and what are bad ones and what to look for and what not to look for. And it was it was supposed to be called um, Seven Reasons Why Not to Go to a Psychic. But the the my <laughs> my uh, whatever call it, publisher didn't want to do it. <laughs> didn't want it to be called that. I thought that was a great title, but it was it's really it's all about that, you know, people can trust their own intuition and if if they did they wouldn't need psychics and you know, it was it's all about that. And if they want to contact you for a reading, do you still do readings? Uh, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't always, um, not, and like I say, not everybody needs a reading. And, and if, you know, I charge like 300 bucks for a reading, you know, and if, if you're just curious, that's a lot of dough, you know, or for some people, it's a lot of dough for other people. It's not. Um, and so if you're just kind of curious, there's a ton of, I mean, you can't spit without hitting a psychic these days. So there's a ton of psychics out there. And like I said, I, there's a lot of people that are, um, you know, some of them are really good. Some of them suck, but some of them are really good. And, um, and if you're looking for certain things, like I, you know, I'm not a medium, like I don't, you know, mediums are people that talk to your dead relatives or your dead friends. And I could give a rip about your dead relatives or friends. Not that they're not great people, but you know, I don't, I have no interest in all that kind of stuff. And so some people, you know, that that's what they're looking for. If you're, if you're interested in opportunities coming up and you're the kind of person that likes to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, yeah, I, I still do readings. Um, and they can do it on my website. I, I hate all that stuff. The, the, I think it's just michaelbodine.com. Yes. Um, and I'll, I've linked up to that in the, uh, the episode notes as well as the, uh, the two books growing up psychic and uh, a psychic's well, life. That you can was just nice of you. there you go, just like that. Yeah, Michael, it's uh, a real pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, you too. How you doing? You doing okay? Hey, hey, all things considered, I always preface it these days with all things considered. Yes, isn't it just nuts these days? Jeez. Well, I mean, as we as we say goodbye, just let's talking about the future. How does it look in the next six months vis a vis COVID? Well. You know, the COVID thing, it does feel like it's going to get under control. It does. And, you know, it's an interesting thing about the COVID is that it's, it's kind of making look, it's making people look at the world in a different way. And it's making them, some people live with themselves where they just didn't want to. And um, so in a lot of ways, it's kind of a, it's kind of a good thing. Not, I shouldn't say it's a good thing, but it's not, um, uh, it's not a good thing. Um, but it has it has been having some good effects on people. But it's not going to be going on for as long as people think. I think there's actually some help coming up. I'm a little worried about the first vaccine stuff. Um, that feels a little nerve-wracking. Um, but it does seem like they figure it out. Um, you know, the old psychics talked about this time long, long time ago. And they warned about the the first vaccine to this plague. And um, uh, so I think that's why it sticks in my head. But um, I do think it does get, I do think it gets figured out. I do. Well, it's that's, just, that's something. That's some good news. <laughs> that's something to hold on to. Because uh, yeah, <laughs> some of us are looking too. for just any thread at this point, just a, a glimmer of a glimmer of hope. Well, thank you for that, Michael. 
And uh, again, great talking to you. MichaelBodine.com, the website, B-O-D-I-N-E, MichaelBodine.com, Growing Up Psychic, and the new one, A Psychic's Life. We'll, uh, we'll talk again sometime soon, I hope. Thank you very much. It was really nice talking to you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to share a few details about an upcoming episode. C60 Evo's Miracle Molecule ESS60 makes a great gift for your friends, family, and their pets. Why not give the gift of radiant health to everyone on your list? ESS60 from C60 Evo is the purest form of C60. Take ESS60 for increased strength, flexibility, immunity, and better sleep. You know, the mighty Aphrodite and I have been taking it for a year now. A tablespoon full every morning, and we've never felt better. Never slept better. No aches, no pains. We're mentally focused and sharp. Is it any wonder? This antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and super antioxidant is 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. You heard me right, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. To order your bottle of ESS60 from C60 Evo, go to the episode notes for this podcast or click on the banner ad for C60 Evo at the bottom of my website, strangeplanet.ca. And now, until the end of the year, you can take 15% off your order with the coupon code Jolly15RS. Jolly15RS. That's Jolly15RS. The coupon's not valid for cases or subscriptions and cannot be used with any other coupon code. Valid through December 31st, 2020. Again, to order your Miracle Molecule in a bottle, go to the episode notes for this podcast or go to my website, strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom and click on the C60 Evo banner. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA and is not intended to cure, treat, or diagnose. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, a chiropractor and energy healer describes her remarkable near-death and out-of-body experience. This police officer comes in, and the very first thing he said to me was, you're one lucky little lady. And he said, we're trying to find out what actually happened. And I said to him, why don't you ask Mim, who was my college suite mate, why don't you ask her because she saw the whole thing. And there, and he kind of looked at me, and I said, and there was another lady, and she put her phone number on the front seat of the car. And I said... There was a guy in a uniform, and he reached in to turn the car off. And then I can't remember anything after that. And then I looked at him and went, wait a minute, you're the guy who turned the car off. And now he's like freaking out. And he's just standing there like sweating. And he said, there is absolutely no way that you could know that. He said, you were gone. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 